0: Hello and welcome to The Point Being, a weekly podcast with all you need to know polling data from Ipsos Public Affairs. Here we dive into the latest public opinion research as it relates to the news of the day. I'm Kate Morris, a data journalist at Ipsos, and I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Feldman. Hey there. Also a data journalist at Ipsos, and research leads Chris Jackson. Greetings. And Mallory Newell. Hi there. Over to you, Sarah.
1: Well, Kate, today we are talking about all things sports, uh, what Americans like to play and watch, how people's experience in the realm of sports changes based on who they are, and how sports can get political. So Chris, to start us off, what are America's favorite sports?
2: Um so this is a fun topic, sports. <laughs> um, but you know it's not just fun and games. Uh, it's also big business uh, around the world, you know, sports, athletics, sports, marketing, all that kind of stuff is worth an estimated $400 billion a year. And then, the United States, it's worth at least $80 billion a year, if not more. So, you know, we're talking about a lot of activity and, you know, uh, sort of teams and sort of rooting for teams has really become sort of a shorthand for a lot of aspects of American life where, you know, we often talk about politics really in the language, the parlance of sports, right? That you're rooting for your team, that, you know, you're wearing your team colors, all that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, it's not just sports. It's really sort of a commentary in some ways on society writ large. Uh, But to your question, Sarah, uh, what is America's favorite sport? There isn't really a single sport that most Americans say is their favorite. Um, Football is still the most popular sport, with about a quarter of Americans saying that that's their favorite. Um, But, you know, one in four Americans saying that a sport's their favorite isn't necessarily overwhelming. Um, And after football, there's a lot of other things that kind of come on the list, and really the plurality of Americans, about 40% say that they don't have a favorite sport. You know, maybe these are people who don't follow sports, or maybe these are people who follow all sports. Um, But yeah, it's it's football at 25%, and then basketball and baseball uh, are tied sort of behind that at about 7%. So, you know, much less popular overall than football, though, again, nothing overwhelming. Uh, And these three sports have really been sort of the dominant, uh, the dominant sports for almost the last century in American society, football, basketball and baseball. But uh, but it is sort of interesting because you know if you look at us versus the rest of the world, I was you know talking about the global sports marketing. You know, the 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 United States is a bit of an outlier on that. You know, our American football is not terribly popular around the rest of the world, Um, and then soccer, which in the United States is actually not huge. About four percent of Americans listed as their favorite sport. That's the major thing that people around the rest of the world are interested in. In fact, when we asked earlier this year what Olympic events people were most interested in following when we did our survey in about 28 countries around the world, 30% of people, In those countries said it was it was soccer was sort of their thing they were most interested in compared to only 10 percent of people in the United States. So we're a little bit weird. Um, Also, Americans are really into Olympic aquatics, swimming and gymnastics. I think that's maybe an aspect of how good our teams typically do there. Uh, But, yeah, you can see it's a little bit a little bit strange. Um, And we see, though, within the United States, there's some interesting patterns about what sports people like by. By age and by race ethnicity So we're seeing football actually is getting Less popular with younger people So 31% of Gen X So that's people sort of in their uh, Mid 40s to sort of Late 50s uh, say that football Is their most popular versus only 16% Of Gen Z so that's teenage People who are teens to their early 20s So essentially half as many Gen Z As Gen X say football is their most Popular sport and we see basketball Actually sort of gaining in popularity With the younger, the younger audience a little bit going from 7% with Gen X to 11% with Gen Z. Um, And then we see within sort of uh, particularly within race and ethnicity, um, black and Hispanic Americans are much more likely to say they're sports fans full stop. uh, But black Americans are more likely to follow basketball and Hispanic Americans are more likely to follow baseball. Uh, So there are some interesting patterns. And then women are just not quite as likely to follow any sports only about 50% of women say that they have a favorite sports. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, to sort of look at this and then looking at it um, also sort of in the lens of sort of all the new things that are emerging and all the new sports that are emerging. So like we saw in the Olympics this year, uh, surfing and uh, skateboarding were were introduced and were pretty popular. So we'll see in the future how how sort of the population shakes out on those events like skating, surfing, or, you know, my favorite, speed walking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, race walking is a good one. That's fun to watch, which brings us to the topic of what sports Americans actually like to watch. We know what sports are Americans favorite, but does that
2: translate into what people play? Yeah, that's right. So our data suggests that most people's personal experience with sports happens at a younger age, that that sort of playing organized sports is something that most Americans do in sort of elementary or high school, middle school or high school. Uh, It really falls off by the time people get to Americans, get to college, which, again, is only, you know, about a little over a third of Americans anyways. Uh, And then when it comes to sort of what organized sports people play as adults, most don't, right? So most people's personal experience with sports comes sort of in their youth. And, you know, they sort of reflect back to that. Um, And looking at that, we see that most Americans – uh, or more Americans are likely to have played baseball or basketball at some points uh, about just under 50 percent of Americans have played one or the other of those sports uh, but again we see the rate of playing those drops really quickly from elementary school to middle school to high school uh, and then by the time you know people get to college it's only about you know three four percent of Americans who who are still sort of playing those um, and not uh, playing those you know at like the the college varsity level like even you know playing sort of intramural level basketball um and then again at sort of adulthood we only see a handful of percent that say they're still playing these sports now the only exception to that is golf golf is something that young people don't play quite as much as adults so about one in ten adults say that they still play golf um you're you know Proverbial, like old dude on a golf course kind of thing, um, but that is only about one in ten Americans who are who are doing that. Uh, and as we sort of dig into the data, there is some interesting, again, trends that we see uh, coming out uh, when you look at sort of different cuts of the data. So, for instance, by income, household income level, there's really no difference in how much people play various sports by income in elementary school. So essentially in elementary school, everybody can kind of play stuff. There's no big cost of entry. There's no big sort of uh, burden to financial burden to play sports. But by the time it gets to high school, we start to see increasingly that the people that are still playing things like football or basketball uh, or even soccer to an extent tend to be people who have a higher household income. So you're essentially starting to see how as you get sort of Further along in sports, as you get into sort of more senior levels, the cost to play gets to be greater, and it becomes a factor of socioeconomic status of if you can continue playing outside of sort of just those elite athletes who end up getting recruited. Um, and then we see actually a pretty similar pattern by race uh, in playing sports that we saw in sort of what people watch, where black Americans are a little bit more likely to Play basketball um, or to keep playing basketball. uh, You know, Hispanic Americans are a little more likely to play baseball. But the interesting thing is the change over time in this data. So, you know, looking at basketball, for instance, white, black, and Hispanic Americans are actually equally likely to. Sort of play basketball in elementary school, uh, but the difference in the number of Black Americans from elementary to high school is smaller than the, the the difference with White or Hispanic. So essentially, more White and Hispanic people drop out of playing basketball between elementary school and high school. And then we see sort of a different pattern with uh, with baseball, where Hispanic Americans are actually more likely to keep playing baseball into high school. So there's again some really interesting patterns. Uh, that that we see playing out in what people are playing, and and you know it, it the race and ethnicity really starts to starts to filter out sort of who keeps playing, but those aren't the only driver, right? The uh, another big driver of what people are playing, what sports people are involved with, is gender. And Kate, what do, what does our data show us on that?
0: Yeah, that's right. So when you're talking about the different rates of participation in various sports, one of the key um, factors underpinning that is gender. So our survey found that men are more likely than women to have played some of the more popular sports at some point in their lives. Um, So I'm thinking of football, baseball and basketball. And of course, there's a certain dynamic at play there. You know, baseball and football are traditionally seen as male sports. Um, But even in a more equalized sport like basketball or soccer, men are still more likely to have played those at some point in their lives. So with soccer, that w- works out to 40% of men, um, 20, 27% of women. And at the same time, women are also more likely to have played volleyball. So again, there's kind of that that how we perceive sports is, is, inter- is directly impacting how likely women and men are to have participated in them. But um, women, in terms of playing vo- volleyball, are at – 48% and men are at 38%. Um, so here, um, there's there's a lot going on here. So the structurally, states are more likely to sanction girls football teams as opposed to boys. Um, and then stepping back and looking more big picture, there's a generational factor too. Um, so I'm thinking here of Title IX. Uh, and th- for those of you who are not uh, familiar with Title IX or need a quick refresher on it, it's a piece of federal legislation introduced in 1972 that protects people from disc- discrimination on the basis of sex in federally funded educational or other activities. What uh, Title IX translated to in practical terms is educational institutions getting a push to broaden access to sports to women and um, equalize funding across the sexes. So it really did usher in a sea change uh, in female participation in sports. One stat I found from an Atlantic article um, really spoke to me and kind of underlines how things have changed from 1972. So back then, um, in, in 1974, fewer than 300,000 girls were playing high school, high school sports. Um, and 40 years later, uh, more than 3.1 million were in t- as of 2012. Um, of course, we've. this is not to say we've achieved perfect parity. Uh, men and women participate in uh, collegiate sports in about equal numbers, despite women now outnumbering men on college campus and college spending on sports varies considerably. So with a sport like football, which again is traditionally um, and practically seen as a men's sport, often dominates school budgets. Um, There's the fun stat that in some states, uh, college and university football coaches are some of, if not the most highly paid public employees. Um, But again, to be fair to football, it's also a huge money maker for schools. So um, there's that to consider too. in any event, uh, these lingering inequities aside, it's undeniable that we've come a tremendous way in terms of opening up access to women just into sports, and um, not to mention also kind of de- desigmatizing women's participation in athletics. But um, this brings me to an article, Mallory, that you recently wrote um, ab- about um, how even though women's participation in sports is up exponentially, professional women's sport leagues still get far less attention compared to men what's going on here in your view
3: yeah that's right um what's going on i would really love to know but um, we we did some research on this. So our one of our recent issues of what the future. Which, if you're not familiar with that, it's a, a digital magazine that Ipsos puts together that looks at sort of the future of a specific topic. So recently we did a deep dive into, you know, how will we engage with sports in the future? What will it look like? And you know, I, I took a look at this from a specifically a, a gender lens, because I think the future of sports, I mean, part in the cliche is female or should be in part, but but there are some gaps here. And, and Kate, you did a nice job of laying out the foundation. But what we saw in some of our research is that, you um, You know, nearly twice as many Americans, generally speaking, uh, say that they're not a fan of women's sports compared to men's sports. So in in a separate survey from the one that Chris was highlighting earlier, you know, um, asking people if they're a fan of various, you know, professional men's sports versus professional women's sports, college men's sports versus college women's sports. And there's this huge disparity, particularly at the professional level, um, where we see only about one in four Americans say that they are a fan, follow it in some capacity of professional women's sports. So that's like the WNBA, the Uh, National Women's Soccer League, the Women's Tennis Association, um, compared to, you know, something like nearly 70 percent who say that they're fans of professional men's sports. So that's like the NFL, the NBA, MLB, et cetera. Um, But, you know, women are guilty of this, too, Um, meaning that women are also more likely than men to say they're not a fan of women's sports. But I think it's important to note, as we have throughout this podcast already, is that women are also just generally li- less likely to say that they are sports fans. So at least among women, it's, it's kind of tough to know what's going on here. You know, women are more likely to not be sports fans, but they're also more likely in part to say that they're not a fan of women's sports than men's sports, mirroring that overall tw- trend. Gosh, I'm tripping all over my words today. I did have some dental work done this morning, minor detail, but we'll we'll get through it. Um, Here's the thing, though, about this this question. Kate, you pointed out that it's been roughly 50 years since Title IX gave women equal opportunities in sports. I mean, ask the women's basketball players at the NCAA tournament that put viral videos together about um, their weight room compared to the men's weight weight room, and we can talk about what that equality looks like, but I digress. Um, But our poll did also show that About 60% of sports fans, meaning those that follow at least one sport that we asked about, agree that there should be more media coverage of women's sports. So there is a desire there, right? That's what that number tells me. But at the same time, there's been this ongoing study, I think, for the better part of three decades from USC and Purdue that shows that there has been no growth in media coverage of women's sports since the 90s. So think about that in nearly three decades, the percentage of all media coverage of women's sports, first of all, is like minuscule and has not grown or changed. And think about all that has happened in three decades in women's sports, the creation of the WNBA, um, the existence of people like Simone Biles and Serena Williams And so I think there is this interesting question, it's sort of a chicken-egg thing, right? Are people not fans of women's sports because they're less interested? Or are they not fans because it's harder to watch and get less media attention? And that I think is the big question as we look at sort of this dynamic that is going on and also perhaps some of the change that we might see in the future, at least when it comes to, again, another sports metaphor, leveling the playing field.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Mallory, what popped up for me when you were talking is just like, what's embedded in what you were saying, and Kate, and even Chris up top, is that sports is political and just the way institutions like the media and the legal system or just money fuels and frame sports really matters. And that really comes to light when uh, looking at some data we fielded this spring for our LGBT plus pride survey, where we asked people around the world how they feel about gay and bisexual athletes being out versus trans athletes. Um, and in the US uh, there's 27% of people uh, supported trans athletes competing based on the gender they identify with, while only 46% of well, 46% of people opposed trans athletes being out and competing in this way, putting the U.S. 14 points ahead of the global average, uh, landing the U.S. on the more regressive side of the spectrum among the 27 countries we surveyed when it comes to trans athletes being out. And that, to me, really reflects just this explosion of legislation at the state level in the U.S. that has taken aim at trans kids and trying to prevent prevent them from participating in sports, which, as Chris talked about up top, is when most people play sports in their lifetime. And the landscape for gay and bisexual athletes is just vastly different. I mean, in that same poll, we found that 53% of Americans support openly lesbian, gay, and bisexual athletes being out and competing on sports teams, while only 17% of Americans impose this, um, which puts... The U.S. right in line with the global average And to me that points To just a number of different reasons For this Mm. one there's just an increasing Number of lesbian gay and bisexual professional Athletes that are coming out and While that's you know on the whole still Pretty low it um, points to how The growing acceptance Representation in the media and legal Rights that lesbian gay and Bisexual people have won Expands into the world of sports too And makes a really big difference When it comes to public opinion and how people see lesbian, gay and bisexual athletes versus trans athletes, um, you know, which is all to also to say, a question that... of, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Thought. Go for it. No, no, pop in.
3: I was going to also point out that it it's a question to a certain degree of proximity. Hmm. Um, our friends at the Public Religion Research Institute came out with some research recently um, that that looks at the, the, presence of LGBTQ folks in a number of public settings Um, in sports, sure, but also non-discrimination laws, Um, you know, your comfort level of have, you know, if your kid's teacher were trans, for example, things like that. And I think one of the things that PRRI's research found is really interesting, which is, you know, if you know somebody who is part of the LGBTQ population then you are more likely to be open and receptive to, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual people, but also trans people, you know, owning their, their place in society and doing things like participating in sports um, or, you know, support for non-discrimination laws. So, So I think the point that you make is great about you know, this growing acceptance and this representation in the media, but also there is still this like very basic person to person proximity layer that factors into all of this, I think as well.
1: Yeah. The interpersonal is so important there. Yeah. Well, you thought sports was going to be simple, fun topic. It's complicated. <laughs>
2: Does I not mean, exist that. sports in is still fun. We so just fun. have zero thing to talk about. Like, tactics on the field that's yeah. not really a public opinion issue yeah that's, it, our, that's a public opinion issue
0: <laughs> not so, sorry we're not, the, we're not the
2: people to come to for x's and o's check out nope. you know esp <laughs> uh, athletic or something but, but wait, i don't know what you're talking about
3: i you know <laughs> after watching a couple episodes of ted lasso yeah you can yeah. put me on a soccer pitch let's see how that goes
2: <laughs> we barely talked about soccer in ted lasso what do you mean uh. <laughs> Now, Excellent after show. watching Drive to Survive, I feel like I'm an expert on Formula One, but that's a different issue altogether.
3: Yeah. So, are all the just tag- armchair experts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So the takeaway from this is sports are way more complicated than you may have guessed. Uh, but thanks to everybody who tuned in. Um, we have some other great polling out this week. So um, top of the list would be Axios, the, the latest wave of the Axios-Ipsos coronavirus index. Um, there's also an interesting survey out from Global Advisor on which professions are most tr- trusted globally. All this and more can be found uh, at ipsos.com news and polls, and you can follow us on Twitter at IpsosUS. Thanks again for tuning in. Please join us next week. I am Kate Morris, and you can find me on Twitter at Callison Morris.
2: I'm Chris Jackson. You can find me at JCB Jackson.
3: I'm Mallory Newell. You can find me at
1: Mallory Kate. That's Kate with a C. And I'm Sarah Feldman, and you can find me here next week. Thanks for tuning in and take care till next time.